Welcome to the Outlaw Radio Show. My name is Zach Adams, and I pastor a church located just outside of Athens, Georgia. The name of the church is Calvary 316 because there are some cool 316 verses in the Bible, and we are on Highway 316, so it's not as creative as it seems to be. If you are local, I would encourage you to uh, come be my guest one Sunday morning. Our service starts promptly at 1030. Uh, If you aren't local, but maybe you're looking for a good church you can attend online, uh, we live stream our services. Uh, The easiest way to find find them is to go to YouTube, our YouTube channel, and go to calvary316.live. That's the easiest way to find us. We also stream our services on facebook.com slash calvary316. You can learn more about the church if you're interested by visiting our website, which is calvary316.tv. We also, our media archive... Uh, at Calvary 316, it's our heart to teach through the Bible, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We are a Calvary chapel uh, in the truest sense of expositional Bible teaching. As Pastor Chuck once said, our heart is to simply teach God's Word simply. Uh, we are currently uh, in a series titled Revelation of the King. It's a verse by verse study through the book of Revelation. So if you're interested in that and you're listening, uh, interested in the book of Revelation, you can uh, you can check out our media hub at c316.tv. So again, the church website is calvary316.tv. The media hub is c316.tv. And again, our YouTube channel, so you can watch the live stream on Sunday at 1030 is calvary316.live. I do hope that wherever you're listening, or however you're listening, whether you're listening on the airwaves via one of our wonderful radio partners, or maybe you're listening through the podcast, every episode of the Outlaw Radio Show is podcasted on Apple, Google, Spotify, uh, or maybe you happen to be watching the live uh, video stream of the recording of the Outlaw Radio Show, Wednesday nights at 8 p.m., We live stream the recording of what you're listening to right now. The easiest way that you can watch is, again, YouTube, our YouTube channel. You can find it at outlawradio.live. Or we also stream on facebook.com slash theradiooutlaw. Join us. It's a lot of fun. Uh, We we interact with the audience. It's it's a blast. Uh, Between the blocks of audio you listen to, uh, there's further conversation with a few other voices and personalities. Um, Regardless of all of this, I do hope you do stay with me over the next hour as we seek to deconstruct the negative perception uh, that the world has of Christians by boldly discussing relevant topics in an honest and genuine way. And I can think of no uh, more relevant topic than a testimony. Now, let, let me just extrapolate what I mean by that. When you examine the book of Acts and you, and you really specifically hone in on the life, the ministry of the Apostle Paul, the argument can be made that the Apostle Paul was uh, one of the smartest men to have ever lived, had to have had a genius IQ, uh, was a theologian in his own right, was an expert of the Old Testament, um, studied at the feet of Gamaliel. I mean, the Apostle Paul, previously known as Saul, was one smart cookie, had probably the Old Testament memorized, had spoken face-to-face with Jesus, was a cool dude. I mean, he knew his stuff. I mean, the Apostle Paul, there, there, were, there were no... Th- Theological questions that you could ask him that he couldn't provide an answer for. A famous story that the Apostle Paul is in Athens, and he gets into the, a, a, a debate with the great philosophers of his day. I mean, he could stand toe-to-toe intellectually uh, with anyone, and yet, more often than not, instead of articulating weighty theological issues, when Paul was given an audience um, of unbelievers... Um, he would tell his story. He would share his testimony. And there is power in a personal story. Uh, Not only is it colorful, is it relatable, but again, because it's personal, um, it's, it's hard to debate. I mean, when someone tells you their story of encountering the resurrected Jesus, you, you, you're kind of treading on really thin ice when you're like, well, I don't, I don't, I don't believe Jesus exists. Well, I just told you I met him. Well, yeah, but you're a you're an idiot. Like like there's really no way, nowhere you can go when you're talking about one story, which is why again the apostle Paul when given the opportunity shared his testimony, who he was before Christ, uh, the encounter with Jesus and how it changed him. Um, again, I one of the the most impactful moments in my own life. So I was born and raised in the church and growing up as a pastor's kid, um, I, you know, I, I didn't have the flashy testimony. I didn't have 
some sordid tale of of you know a life in drugs or prostitution and this miraculous conversion where I, I met Jesus and my life was changed forever. Um, and when I went to Bible college, you know, I would I would I would hear these incredible stories of, you know, just uh, you know Jesus reaching into the darkness and pulling people into the light. And I'll never forget talking with an older gentleman. His name was Ted. He had made millions, and he would fly his plane down every Monday morning and live on the dorms and and be there Monday through Friday. He's seventy something years old, but would live on the dorms with a bunch of eighteen, nineteen, twenty year olds. And uh, would attend Bible college classes and then, and then fly back up to his mansion um, in wine country. And I'll never forget talking to, to Ted and hearing his testimony and just saying, wow, I mean, that's an awesome testimony. And I'll never forget what he told me. He said, he said, Zach, no, 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 no. I have a terrible testimony. Like I wasted so much of my life in the world pursuing things that didn't matter. Um, you have an awesome testimony. The fact that at a young age you gave your life to Jesus and, and you've walked with him ever since. And yeah, there's been mountains and valleys, but that you've been with Jesus. He goes, that, that's a testimony that, that, that I desire. And, and it, it hit me. And I think that when you want to talk about things that are relevant, testimonies are relevant. And that's what this show is all about. Before we transition into the subject matter, and I'm going to introduce a guest that we have with us that will be sharing his testimony. I do want to welcome Creighton to the Outlaw Radio Show. Creighton. Thank you for being with me, as always. My sidekick. It is always a pleasure. How y'all doing out there? So Creighton is uh, going to probably be a little bit uh, more in the background just because of the subject matter of today's episode. But uh, Creighton is kind of the resident audience member. And so as uh, the conversation develops, Creighton, if anything jumps out that, um, that, that hits you, a question needs to be asked. You have carte blanche. You can jump in the conversation at any point. You know that, correct? Well, yes, I've, I've done this before. And then again, you are presently manning our live stream. Is that correct? Yes, it is. I am currently in front of a computer and multiple screens and all kinds of technology. And so if you're listening, again, radio or podcast, uh, join us, YouTube, Facebook, Wednesday nights at 8 o'clock, and you can leave comments. So if, if Creighton, if you get a good comment, uh, you can interject that into the show as well. Yes, I can read the comment or sometimes summarize it if it's a really long one. Uh, but yeah, you can be a part of the show that way. You can be a part of the show, which is which is awesome. Uh, I I do without further without further ado. I want to welcome um, a really good friend of mine. So there was an an old com- commercial that boasted, you know, the most interesting man in the universe. And uh, in my life, the most interesting man in the universe is a, is a gentleman. I say that in the truest sense, a gentleman by the name of Vinny Heim. So Vinny, I'd like to welcome you to the Outlaw Radio Show. Appreciate it. Glad to be here. So you have been on podcasts before. That's correct. Right? I have. And most of the time when you're on a podcast, what is the subject matter? Diesel trucks, guns, hunting, what have you, whatever comes up. Okay. So let's pause for just a moment. Again, if you're watching uh, live, uh, you know what Vinny looks like. For the listening audience, Creighton, can you kind of develop a, a, a rough sketch profile for Vinny for... Because you need to kind of get in your mind a, a mental picture of, of who you're listening to, the man behind the voice. All right, so he's 6'1", six, 6'2". Six, sure, I'll take every inch you give me. Yeah, I'm 5'4", so it's all the same to me. <laughs> At any rate, he's like six foot something, uh, short, brown hair, very large beard. It reaches... It's a, it's a, very, it's a ZZ Top style beard. Hey, this is yes. short. It, yeah, this is short. that's true. My, <laughs> when I say very large beard, it's like half the size of what it was when I met you a yeah. couple of years ago. Um, it reaches well below the opening in his. Is that a flannel or is it just a button up? Just a flannel. flannel. So, so Vinny, Vinny's rocking cowboy boots, Wranglers, flannel shirt, big ostrich old ostrich skin cowboy boots. Ostrich skin cowboy boots. It's important. It's very important. <laughs> and uh, and the way that we're going to kind of go about this conversation is is. We're gonna we're gonna kind of establish who you are right now, and then and then we're gonna deconstruct all of that. And so, uh, you already mentioned that you are on podcasts before, but it's mainly diesel uh, engines. Why is that? I manage a big diesel shop here in Georgia, thirty thousand square foot. We Let's, give a a plug. Let's give them a plug. Let's give them a plug. So, what company is it? Leadfoot Diesel Performance. Where is it located? Monroe, Georgia. So, if you're out there listening and you're local and uh, you have a diesel. And you're wanting to maybe increase performance or get an oil change. That's us. What's your website? 
It's www.leadfootdiesel.com. Do you really have to at this point introduce a website with www. Not really. I or think is that it just kind of a give, better? It just sounds better. Yeah. The World Wide Web of Information dot. Yeah, you literally don't even have to put the www anymore. You just, I mean, at that point, you should go http <laughs> colon slash slash. 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you you uh, are uh, you operate are very involved with a a diesel company, and that kind of is a, is a unique. There's a unique grouping of people that kind of run around there is the diesel world because you don't just do that. You actually high performance yep. sled racing, things of that nature. We do compete. We have a lot of competition trucks we work on from all over the country. So we're not just a local company. We work on trucks from California, Kansas, Kentucky, Tennessee. You know, we have a very niche specialty in the diesel industry and it's basically getting high horsepower diesels to hook traction whether it's on dirt or pavement and uh a lot of people do it we just do it better now before we before we get into how you got into the the diesel industry and that's going to be a story that will all tie together um you are happily married is that correct absolutely happily married to chelsea and you have two you, kids you, you don't just have two kids <laughs> but this is the thing that i find very interesting about Vinny. Vinny is probably um the manliest man that i know and um, and yet God gave you two daughters. Is that correct? That was on purpose. Why Why was it on purpose? It had to bring me back down to earth. So so you you live on a little bit of spread. You got some cows. You got some dogs. You're an avid hunter. Is that correct? Yep. We live to hunt. You live to hunt, and and you don't just hunt, but you you hunt to eat. Yep. Process um, it all ourselves. Which is, again, I think a, a, a maybe another topic for another episode about hunting. Because I'm not a hunter. I know if you're watching or listening, that might come as a surprise to you. <laughs> um, but <laughs> I've never actually been hunting. Uh, would love to go. But you, I mean, I think you kind of do it the right way. And you've thought it through. Like, you're, you're not hunting for sport, per se. You're hunting. Yeah, I haven't found a good recipe for antlers yet. For antlers. So that's the only thing that you really keep. Um, yeah. You're, in that sense, a good old boy. Now, let, let's kind of go all the way back to the beginning so uh, kind of explain with about a minute or so just set the stage for kind of your early childhood because you're not native to georgia nope you're not native to the diesel industry nope no i grew up in a very 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 small town in montana and you either owned a logging company owned a cattle company or worked for somebody that owned a logging company or cattle company and so we grew up working cows and wood now that's a great that's a great setup uh, because we're gonna we're gonna pick up there because what I'm interested in is um, is your story, but your story from the context of of Jesus, and you have a, a very large social media profile. This is one of the things that I really respect about you, um, and most of it's for work. I mean, you filled all kinds of. I mean, you, you're very active in the diesel community, right? Yeah. So a lot of your business happens on Facebook and, and interacting with shops across America. But one of the things that, that I've, I've always really respected is that while you are in a very secular industry with a lot of uh, roughnecks and interesting characters, uh, you, are, you are not shy at all about your faith in Jesus. Not at all. And your relationship with Jesus. And, um, and you do that in a, in a very um, interesting world. And so I, I want to I unpack all these things. Um, if you're listening... We'd love to hear from you. You can find all of our contact information um, from our website, which is outlawradio.org. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. One of the most important visions of the Outlaw Radio Show is our desire to challenge you to think critically, ask relevant questions, and then pursue answers on your own. The sad reality is many Christians fail to reflect Christ because they don't know what they believe or why they believe what they do. This is why, in addition to the Outlaw Radio Show tackling tough topics you might not hear at church, it is our desire to equip, inspire, and challenge you to dig into God's Word and wrestle with these complex topics on your own. To help you in this important process, we want you to check out blueletterbible.org. It would be an understatement to say that this website will transform the way you study the Bible. In fact, it will revolutionize it. 
Aside from their treasure trove of free online commentaries, blueletterbible.org also has an incredible word search function, making it super simple to dive into the original language behind a text. So if you want to dig deeper into your study of scripture and in the process, learn and grow, we encourage you to check out blueletterbible.org today. Uh, welcome back to the Outlaw Radio Show. I'm joined as always by Creighton Vaughn, who is kind of the man behind the board, the resident audience member, uh, also in charge of our uh, live streaming. Again, you can watch the Outlaw Radio Show every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Uh, the guest of honor is a buddy of mine, a dear friend, uh, Mr. Vinny Himes. Again, welcome back to the Outlaw Radio Show. Vinny? Happy to be here. So you kind of set the story. We're talking about your relationship with Jesus and just the, the, the arc, um, kind of how that came to be, how that developed, how that matured. Um, I think for, for all of us that there's that kind of threefold process. You know, we... We, we, we meet the Lord, we grow, and we develop, we, we mature. And so I just, I just want to kind of pitch it back to you. You kind of set the stage, Montana, backwoods country. So uh, tell us about your story. So growing up in a small town in Montana, you know, I, you guys really have to think almost like a uh, little house on the prairie. Like it felt like, like we read those books as kids. My mom read those books to us, and I felt like we weren't far off. Um, little tiny town. You know, it just wasn't any traffic, just a single highway in, single highway out. It's a very steep, mountainous valley and um, very little social life. There was so a, what part of Montana, for those of us so who So this is the, the western side of Montana between the Mission Mountain Range and the Rocky Mountain Range. And the town we grew up in was the Swan Valley. And it really wasn't even a town other than the fact that we had a post office there. So how many months of the year would you have considered summer? How many months of the year would, would it have been winter? Just Nine to kind of months set. of winter, one month of spring, one month of summer, one month of fall. Mostly winter. All we did was work. You're gotcha. either getting hay or getting firewood. All right, so continue. Just trying to paint the so, picture here. So very similar to you, uh, grew up in the church, and my parents were heavily involved in the church. They were Sunday school teachers when I was a kid. Uh, Dad led worship, and we were always there. Uh, never missed a Sunday, Awana's Wednesday afternoon, uh, youth group Thursday nights, Bible study Thursday nights. So we were always DC either, talk cassettes. Oh, baby, you know it. <laughs> and uh, and so that's just how we grew up in church. And I nonchalantly, haphazardly accepted Christ into my heart every time I was told. So at four years old, you know, we're down there for what's the summertime bibles uh vacation, vacation bible bibles good old vbs's vbs right? man i was like four years old they made the whole group say the prayer i walked home gave my mom a little card i was like yeah i did something today i don't know what and then that happened again when i was five or six and and so it was just kind of you thought you were saved but you're too young to really understand it like i hadn't felt i hadn't had the conviction i had no reason to believe that i was saved other than the fact that i'd said the prayer a couple times it was just very forced and very fake. One of those mass savings that unfortunately happens in American churches. But right. I often wonder how many people think they're saved just because they well, and they get along you know they feel prayer. they they feel the pride of the um, you know the um, how many people got saved on the VBS right. like it's the metric right in which you know you feel good about what you did. Yep, and so. You know, I thought for years that I was saved, and uh, we lived a very, very, very sheltered childhood. Um, no magazines, no newspapers in the house. If there were, mom and dad, you know, scanned through and crossed out anything scary or bad that, you know, could be perceived as evil or negative. Now, you um, weren't homeschooled. I mean, it's just no, you're we, in an isolated... Very isolated and a very small school structure, too. There's 85 kids in our school, and it was kindergarten through eighth grade. 85? 85 kids in the whole school. Like, we had a pen So you had pals. a good chance of being the Victorian, right? The Valley Victorian. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah if I could spell my name. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, you know, the, the social life was the church. You know, we had a, a small log cabin, which was the community hall, and that's where we held Awanas and, and youth group and Bible studies and church on Sundays. And I feel like we lived there. You know, like all my social experiments, my social understanding came from the church atmosphere and being in church. And I was a really good kid, like painfully good. Like I remember 
even when I got older, you know, 11, 12 years old, and you're going over to friend's house for sleepovers and they'd be watching a radar movie and I'd go sit in their room because I wasn't allowed to watch it. Like I was honestly a good kid. Now let me, let me take one step back just again to kind of complete the picture here. Um, so your father was military, correct? He was. So early years, you know, I think he went back into the military. So I was born in Okinawa, Japan. And I did we, not know that you were born in Japan. Yeah. You know, so, we have another buddy, Nate. Uh, yep. Grew up in, in Japan. And so I, uh, I was born in Japan. We lived there till I was three. Don't remember any of it. And we moved back to Montana when I was three and a half, four years old. And um, my dad tried working in the social sector, the private sector. You know, he worked at a log home place, peeling logs. It's five bucks an hour. It's pretty rough. I, I know your dad. That didn't, that didn't work yeah. all that and well. And so he worked as a construction laborer for a few years and it was just rough. Life was rough growing up. I didn't know we were poor because I was too little. Um, but you know, ramen noodles was a gourmet meal. Like, Hey, Creighton can sympathize with that. Isn't that right? Creighton? <laughs> yeah. I eat ramen noodles like a lot. Creighton has like, he's going to come out with a cookbook that we're going to advertise on the outlaw radio show of all of his ramen noodle recipes. I've gotten very good at it. <laughs> I know. I know. Anyway. So your dad was in the military and you had an older sister, younger sister, right? Yeah. Older sister, younger sister, and a little brother. And, um, my dad went back into the military when I was probably six or seven. And, um, so he wasn't around a lot during this transitional period of my life where I went from a, a little kid to, uh, starting to think like a young man. And, and that he, that's early. because he had to drive, right? I mean, it yeah. wasn't, wasn't like there was a base around the corner. Yeah. So. The town we grew up in was so small. There's no economy there. So you're either busting cows or you're peeling hide off logs. And I mean, it's just not a good living. There's no money to be made with a wife and four kids at home. You just can't make it. And so you got to travel to work. And so he was commuting 65 miles one way to the armory. And so he stayed there all week long and we would see him on the weekends. And he was usually so exhausted and tired. All I really remember is he'd have his face buried in a book, you know, from sunup till sundown. Or we were splitting firewood and stacking firewood. So it was just a lot of work. So as a, as a young boy... Again, at no fault of your dad, he's just learn, earning a living. Um, yep. But I mean, male influence. You you ended up kind of finding a yeah. little bit of that at church. You want to kind of? I, I did um, transition to that. I was eight years old, and I decided it would be a good idea walking through the gravel parking lot to depants my sister, and uh, she <laughs> fell, scraped her knees up. I got beat. My mom's wailing on the back of my head as we walk into church, and the old man that would greet us with a bulletin. Bill Mahaffey, I mean, he's the coolest dude. Who had witnessed this sword? He saw it go down, and uh, he asked my mom what the problem was, and she, you know, kind of nodded to me. This one's out of control. And so he took me around back behind the church, cut off a hefty rose bush, and all the thorns. I got all the thorns. (laughs) And uh, I got to see You were not a fan of nine inch nails from that. No, not at that point. And so he told my mom, he said, bring him up to the house after church and I'll wear him out. Like he won't have the energy to misbehave anymore. And I worked for that man every day of my life. Sun up. He picked me up at 630 a.m. every morning. And we worked a dude ranch owned by a real estate tycoon named Don Shoemaker. And if that guy's very interesting, if you want to Google him. And I worked at that ranch from the time I was eight years old till I was 14. All right. So, so real quick, before we, before we get into to all of that, because there's some great stories to it. So you're eight years old and your dad is at home a lot. Um, and you're, you know, basically a normal eight year old. Yeah. Hyper but, high, strong. I had energy, but you needed, but you needed an outlet. Right. And there was an older man at church who knew the situation Yep. that took an interest in, in helping. And that's family, isn't it? He helped me more than I think. I think more than a parent really could because with parents were uh, naturally, we just want to do the opposite of what they tell us. You know, you can tell your boys to eat their food and they won't do it. But if I walk through your kitchen and be like, hey, eat your food, right? Be like, whoa, Vinny said to eat my food. And they all of a sudden eat their food. And that's kind of what I got. So my dad's sitting here pounding the Bible into my head and I was just like, no. And, uh, you know, when Bill Mahaffey did it, he did it in a way that was interesting to me. You know, I'd screw up at work or I'd break a tool or I'd mishandle something and, you know, throw a fit and throw a wrench. And he'd come over and, and turn it into a applicable Bible lesson that, that I would listen to. And so you're working my dad. I would so, so you're working on this ranch as as an eight, nine, ten year old. Yep. Um, tell the tell the story. This might not be relevant to your testimony, but it's a great story. And we've got about about two minutes uh, about the dump truck. <laughs> 
Tell the story about the dump so, truck, and then we'll cut to a oh break, and, and we'll, we'll So Don we'll Shoemaker decides he wants his own trout fishing pond. So you got to think Donald Trump-esque. Like, this dude's a multi-multi-multi-millionaire in the early 90s, right? In and Montana. so he yeah. flies his philanthropist friends in for a good time, and we would put on a show. We'd dress up in chaps and herd cattle and saddle horses up for them and they'd we'd lead them around it was embarrassing and so he decided he wanted this trout fishing pond so his friends could trout fish and so we're digging this pond and i'm learning at eight years old how to drive this 1950s dump truck and how old how old you i was eight you're eight years old driving eight. a dump truck. i was sitting on three blackfoot <laughs> telephone books and i could look between the bottom of the steering wheel and the top of the dash this thing had two forward transmissions and one reverse transmission that had four gears and so I was petrified. Like, he's trying to teach me how to drive this thing. I'm crying. I don't want to drive this thing. And he was the kind of guy that just smack you in the back of the head with a big old baseball glove hand. And You're going to drive, drive this thing, boy. Yeah. And so he's running an excavator. And, the, and if you've never dug a hole in Montana, <laughs> you could be digging a six-inch fence post and you could find a Volkswagen-sized granite boulder. And that happened a lot. And so I would drive these dump truck loads of dirt and boulders down this back road down the side of the mountain and I would back up and dump the dirt down the side of the mountain. It was really fun as an eight-year-old. You just want to watch pine trees get smashed and fall over. And we dug up this massive boulder. It was so big we didn't put any more dirt in the back of the dump truck. And in my excitement, I forgot to open the latch for the barn doors. And So you backed this thing up to the cliff. Backed it up to the edge of the cliff. I hit the hydraulic lever to dump the bed and nothing happened, nothing happened, nothing happened. And about... 40 degrees up the boulder flies to the back of the truck and the entire dump truck went down the side of the mountain with you in it no i'm standing on the side watching oh in excitement to watch this boulder just decimate all and the dump truck decimated all oh my god what gosh. was what was the reaction he was just bummed out that he didn't get to see the dump truck go down the side of the mountain <laughs> right so this is the kind of guy he hated that dump truck right Again, I mean, all of the interesting, interesting <laughs> stories. We're we're gonna we're gonna come back here after a quick break. Um, more with this conversation uh, with Vinny Himes. Don't go anywhere. Uh, you're listening to the Outlaw Radio Show. Thanks for listening to this special edition of the Outlaw Radio Show with Zach Adams and Creighton Vaughn. Zach and Creighton are joined in the studio with their good friend Vinny Himes. And I'm just so encouraged by today's episode. It really brings to mind a specific scripture, Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. It says, they overcame him, the enemy, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Today, we're hearing how Vinnie Himes came to Jesus, an encouraging story. Don't go anywhere. Come back for the second half of the Outlaw Radio Show. Zach, Creighton, and Vinny with the second half of the Outlaw Radio Show. Welcome back to the Outlaw Radio Show. I'm joined by Creighton. Uh, Creighton Vaughn's the man behind uh, the machine, so to speak, the resident audience member. Creighton, again, welcome as always. Thanks for having me. Always a good time. We are joined by Vinny Himes, the most interesting man in my universe, I will say. Um, <laughs> So where, where we left things off is you were um, eight, nine, ten years old. Uh, your dad was in the military, so he wasn't home a lot. Um, a normal kid, not anything necessarily abnormal, but your mom needed some help. Yep. And, uh, and one of the, the older fellas, older gentlemen at the church saw a need and decided, hey, I can, uh, I can help here. And so started picking you up, taking you to work. Um, Kind of teaching you how to be a man. I mean, you, you were exposed to... I mean, I got thrown right in. Chainsaws, pickaxes. I mean, there was nothing off limits. And, and he expected me to be a man. You know, at eight years old, if I said I couldn't do something, he would get visibly upset and angry and rapidly teach me and expect me to, like, run with it. So there was no babying. And uh, I wasn't coddled. Everything was very blunt, very harsh. I mean, the dude looked literally looked like John Wayne's twin. So, you know, he was my idol and, and I really looked up to him and he was a good Christian man and he swore like a sailor. He was in the Navy during World War II. So, you know, he was just that generation of tough and, right. uh, and he grew me up tough and hard. I mean, if an animal needed put down, he'd hand me a pistol and I went and did it. You know, it's just, 
it, there was never any expectation other than do what needed to be done. And so, so there was an interesting collision, um, if I may, between manliness and being a follower of Jesus. That oh, big time! That it, but it really runs against that that cultural idea of that somehow followers of Jesus are 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 pansies. Yeah. That, that you know, One Jesus. Jesus looks like Fabio me. instead of the an actual carpenter. One of my friends, and this happens a lot in life, especially if you're a Christian, is is people like to try and belittle your religion, and so a lot of people will say things to me like, "Oh, well, people that are Christians need something to believe in." Bill Mahaffey certainly didn't need something to believe in. That <laughs> right. guy was all that was man, um, you know, and he was just a a really cool dude, and he knew everything. He could fix anything. And so life was just pretty normal. I'm working on this ranch and he paid me five bucks a day. And I thought that was awesome when I was eight. You know, by the time I was nine, I was running tractors and heavy machinery and building miles and miles of fence. Uh, he'd put me on a horse with a pack mule and, and a couple rolls of barbed wire and some T-post. And I'd run out 22 miles of fence and you're sleeping out in the woods, grizzly bears and mountain lions. I mean, I had a 30-30 lever action rifle that I'd get in trouble if I didn't take it with me. Um, so it was a different way to grow up. And, um, I was terrified. I was always a really scared kid. I was scared of everything. Uh, I thought there was creatures in the night. You know, I guess we grew up reading the, the Hobbit books and the Lion, Witch and the World Road books. And there was always that evil character in the book, you know, and I was just scared of evil and I thought it was out there. And so my first experience with evil, true evil is what pushed me to become I, I literally called out to Christ like I needed him. It was no longer a fairy tale option at Sunday school or, or vacation Bible school. I was laying in the dark, surrounded by pure evil, crying out to Christ to save me. So I mean we we are we are definitely getting deeper into the story. So we're moving beyond like you know the fears of a ten year old of the grizzly bear. I mean you the do grizzly have, bears never scared me. You, um, you have your you have your Mountain lions terrified me. Um, I've seen a grizzly bear scream and run from a mommy coyote. So that kind of took the fear factor out of my life. I'm like, what, what a wimpy animal. It's 800 pounds and it's running from a small dog. <laughs> and so I was so, never, so, I was so, never scared of them. So my point though, is that for something to really raise the hair on your neck and, and to be that, that life changing, um, it had to have been, been something significant. It was, so. it was uh, a movie. Like I said, we were so sheltered growing up. We never saw anything but Disney cartoons. And I don't, you know, I was 10, 11 years old and I had a sleepover at my aunt and uncle's house, which they lived a long ways away. So we didn't get to see them very often. And uh, my cousins were watching Silver Bullet about the preacher that turns into a werewolf. And <laughs> I was the I'm not familiar, but it's so be great. It's horrible. You watch it today and you'd be like, Vinny is the biggest <laughs> wimp. But it made an impact. Dude, it was the first scary thing I've ever seen. The first rated R film I ever saw. And my young, impressionable mind, it scared me. It terrified I, mean, I, I was you. terrified to close my eyes at night. And then something took up residence in my closet and I was embarrassed of it. I mean, this thing would torment me and it would threaten to kill me in my sleep. Uh, I could not sleep. I developed extreme insomnia. Uh, it would try to convince me to kill my little brother and he had Tourette's syndrome really bad, so he's really annoying. And he'd sit there and clear his throat in his sleep all night long. And so I'm laying in bed terrified of this being that lives in my closet and nobody'd ever talked to me about demons or the ability for a demon to influence your life or, or try and Right. possess you. So I was just simply terrified. And this thing was vulgar. I mean, I'd never really heard swear words until this thing took up. Now, what, in my could closet. you see the thing or I, was it a sense? I could only or? see it. It would talk to me nonstop. And I don't tell a lot of people a story. So like five but human you're beings, you're telling everyone <laughs> five human beings as of yesterday have heard this story. So that's why I told you when you asked about my testimony, I'm like, man, this isn't something I just go blathering about, but it got so bad over the course of years. Like this thing was in my closet for years. For years. this went Every on. night I couldn't sleep. I was getting bad grades in school. I was getting fights with my parents. Uh, I was getting in fights with my brothers and sisters. 
you know, cause in my mind, this thing's like telling me it'll leave me alone if I kill my little brother and I didn't do it. So I'm like a superhero in my own mind. Like I'm dealing with this torment so you can breathe, you know, how dare you throw your clothes on my side of the room. And so it's just all these little battles that I turned into wars and it finally got to the point where the thing was coming out of the closet closer and closer and reaching out to touch me. And that's where my brain snapped and I ran into my parents' room and I told my mom about it. And I thought they would think I was stupid. I thought, so how old are you? 10 or 11 at that point. And And this had been going on for, I think it started when I was around nine, you know, for the longest time I tried to pretend it was just a bad dream and I was embarrassed of it. It was embarrassing to me. And it was just like this taboo thing that shouldn't be happening to me because I thought I was a Christian. And, you know, I would read in my Bible about the demon possessing the pigs and stuff. And I'm like, surely that can't happen to me. And so I would justify it away, justify it away. I wouldn't talk about it. I was embarrassed about it. And it took extreme fear. So you finally got to this point that you're like, I snapped, told my mom about it. They told the pastor about it. And the pastor brings me into the back of the church and he didn't let my parents come back there. And he was like, he's like, how long has this been going on for? I told him years. And he was like, why haven't you told your parents about it? I'm like, cause I thought I'd get in trouble. You know, like we got, we got disciplined for a lot when we were kids. And some of the stuff I thought maybe we shouldn't have gotten disciplined for, but as young parents, you, a lot of times you do stupid things and you punish your kids for something you think is so bad. And it's really not that bad. I was just scared of getting spanked. And I thought if I told my parents that this thing was telling me to kill my brother, they were going to spank me or something. <laughs> right. And so the pastor told me, he's like, you're not saved. You're not a Christian. I was like, yeah, I am. I've said this silly prayer thing like 15 times now at Awana's and vacation Bible school. Like I have to be saved. And he's like, no, you never meant it. He's like, just saying the prayer doesn't mean anything. You have to truly mean it. You have to invite Christ into your, into your heart, into your life. And so even at that point, you know, he was like, do you want to sit down and pray with me? And I didn't want to, because I felt like it was just going to be another fake prayer that I said after some church. You actually understood what he meant. And it was like, yeah, I think, I think you're right. I, but I wanted it to be real. Like at this For point sure. in my life, I wanted it to be real. And so I went home that night and this thing just sitting there, just going off, tormenting me to death. And I finally jumped out of my, I quietly prayed to God to, to come into my life and take away my sin and you know, thank you for the sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. I want him to be my Lord and Savior. And I truly said the prayer by myself in the dark with this demon, evil spirit, whatever, in my closet, just threatening to kill me, threatening to kill my family if I didn't let it into my life. The demon wanted to be invited out of that closet. That was the end goal. And I didn't know that until I talked to the pastor. And uh, he gave us a video called The Seduction of Our Children, and I watched that with my parents and truly got an understanding of evil spirits and evil beings. And it's not just something in a so, cartoon. So that night you prayed. I did. And I was, even at that, I was still embarrassed. The pastor told me, he says, you have to stand up and tell this thing that in the name of Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, I command you to leave. Leave me alone. Leave my house. I was still embarrassed. Even after I broke down and accepted Christ in my heart, I was embarrassed to verbalize it and say it out loud. Huh. And so I spent another week being tormented by this thing before I finally got to stand up in my bed as a little kid, you know, in my whitey tighties to set the visual. And I'm screaming at my closet in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to leave, leave Gnarly. this house. You're not welcome here anymore. And it still came back two more times, but it wouldn't show itself. Like I could always see its eyes glowing before. And it, all it was was whispers. And two or three more times of commanding it to leave in in the name of Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, that's when I knew I was saved. There was no question. Well, there's more to this story that we're going to pick up on. Again, you're listening to Outlaw Radio. We'd love to hear from you. All of our contact information can be found at outlawradio.org. Again, uh, you can watch the live stream of the show. Go to outlawradio.live. We'll be right back. Did you know beyond the unique content of the Outlaw Radio Show, Pastor Zach Adams also has an extensive teaching archive available online for free? If you love to study the Bible, we encourage you to check out c316.tv. Currently, Pastor Zach is teaching verse by verse through the Gospel of John, but c316.tv also has video, audio, and sermon notes for the Gospel of Mark, 
the book of Acts, Ephesians, Genesis, Philemon, Jonah, Philippians, as well as an in-depth study on the Olivet Discourse and Jesus' seven letters to the churches recorded in Revelation 3 and 4. With over 17,000 minutes of expositional Bible teaching and more than 2,775 pages of written sermon transcripts, C316.tv is a must-visit for any serious student of the Bible. Welcome back to the Outlaw Radio Show. We are talking uh, to a d- dear friend of mine, Vinny Himes. Uh, Vinny, you said that this particular story um, you've only shared before tonight with a handful. A very small handful of people. So I, I wanna I do want to say right from the jump that um, not only do I appreciate it and I think I can echo Creighton, um, but the listening audience, you know, the vulnerability to to share your story, um, you know, there are evil evil spirits in this world. Yeah, you know, Paul says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, against, but against spirits, principalities, the darkness. Yep, and and you your testimony really resonates with that very idea and i don't not tell it because i'm embarrassed of it it's too radical you know what i mean right if you're, if you're talking to a new person that's just become interested in in religion or not religion i hate religion but anybody that's looking for a relationship with christ and you hit them with this demon story they're like that dude's <laughs> nuts like this is too much too fast i'm out so that's why i'm i'm careful no for sure no i you think know. it's probably that's probably why the only time i tell that story is if you ask for my true testimony which no holds barred tonight. But the only other time I tell it is if I've got, you know, I have projects in my life, people that I'm trying to lead to Christ. For sure. A lot of them. And if somebody challenges my faith, they get the story. Because how do you truly believe in God? You've never seen him. And that's, that's an outsider's first question a lot of times is how are you, you know, I look up to you, man. You're smart. You know a lot about diesel trucks. You know, you're good at building things out of wood. Like how can you be so f- feeble-minded that you believe in this magic man in the sky. Well, here's how I believe, dude. Like, he saved me from years of torment and evil that was trying to get me to do very bad things to my family if I didn't allow it into my life. So I chose God over evil, and the evil went away. So I don't have to see God. I saw God work on evil. And so there's no longer a question whether there's an imaginary man in the sky. He saved my butt. And I was like 10. Now let's, I mean, again, we've got about seven minutes or so, so not a lot of time. Uh, but just to kind of round out the, the arc of your story from that point to today, um, you know, explain kind of how you got from Montana, married, to Georgia, working in the diesel industry. And then just if you could kind of weave through the story a little bit of how Jesus has kind of sustained you through the mountaintops and the valleys along the way? Uh, he constantly is challenging me. You know, like I said, I have projects. So if I tell people this, like when I meet somebody that's down on their luck or down on life, um, I have no purpose. I hate hearing people say that. We have a purpose, and our only purpose on this planet is to bring people to Christ. When you have such a massive purpose, like that's a big undertaking. Like somebody's soul, you're in charge of it. As the bride of Christ, we're in charge of people's souls. Like these bodies, we dress them up and we put fancy clothes on them and then we die and it rots away and turns into a shrub, you know. But our soul has the opportunity, well, it's going to live forever. We get an opportunity to decide where that happens at. So God puts these projects in my life and it's people looking, it's people searching. And I'm not a... I think that that's very interesting because um, you have experienced incredible success and then you've also, career-wise, and then you've also experienced just... Total loss. Total loss of the gut punch to that. And it's through that experience, though, that the Lord has has kind of helped you understand what that it's people along the way. It's only people. Explain explain kind of what you what you used to do. Because so you got hit with the economy downturn. I did. Like most of us our age. I, uh, I got out of the cattle ranching business when I was 15. I, got, I fell in a chute gate, giving a cow a bowl of vaccine, and he smashed his head into my head, knocked me out. I fell in the chute, got trampled by cows, broke some collarbones and some ribs, pretty banged up, a couple black eyes ear hanging off my head and my mom was like yeah you're done you're not going back and then you got into timber frame. and i i was sitting in church i had my arm in a sling you know two black eyes and the lips 
busted. And this guy walks up and he's like, what happened to you? And I told him I fell in the shoot gate, got trampled by cows. He's like, what are you going to do for work now? And I was like, I don't know. And I'm 15. And so school's getting ready to start back up. I was homeschooled at the time. Uh, the local public school wanted me to play football. I was a decent quarterback. And so I was kind of battling whether if I was going to go back to school and just quit this working career that I, you know, I got to keep in mind at this point, I've been working a full-time job since I was eight, making money. I put money in savings. I've got a lot of money for a 15 year old. More than most 15 year olds that aren't drug dealers. Yeah. And so this guy asked if I want to come down to the log home place and peel logs. And so I healed up and I went down there and, and they were paying me the way it worked back then is you got paid a quarter of foot. So a 12 inch log, the tip of the log. So the butt of the log is the big end. You don't get to measure that end. You measure the tip of the logs, 12 inches. If you peel that log, you get 25 cents a foot for every inch over 12 inches. You get an additional nickel. You can make truckloads of money if you have energy and stamina. And I was raking in like 1500 bucks a week peeling logs. As can a you find peeling, so- please? Like peeling yeah, logs, yeah. like the bark off big the draw log. knife, big huge blade, ah. razor sharp. You yank it towards your manhood. So rapidly. you were doing right, you were yeah. doing that, making great money at fifteen. I started my own company when I was twenty years old. My wife and I got married, and the company I was working for that I'd worked for for five years was moving, and I didn't want to move. And so my wife and I started a company, Traditional Timber Frames, and uh, it was massively successful. I mean, we were doing nine million dollars worth of work a year. Um, trying not to pay myself too money, too much money and make taxes. You know, we were basically, I was paying myself 15 bucks an hour and then I would bonus myself out accordingly. But you know, we were taking home a lot of cash and for 20 years old and newlyweds. It and, was then, a, and then the market crashed. The market crashed. I mean, I literally went to work one day. I had 15 employees, five different houses going and every single client called like, we just lost everything. The stock market, we're done. I'm like, wait, you're millionaires. You can't be broke. And I didn't know what the stock market was. I was just a right. dumb kid working hard. And so we lost everything. And I went to work at a diesel shop answering the phones for 10 bucks an hour. So, and it was, it was through doing that. I mean, again, you lost everything, but then you started doing this diesel stuff and, and you started meeting a lot of different people. Yeah. So that was right when Facebook was coming out. And so I didn't know what social media was. I was on a lot of diesel forums for the sole purpose of my selling stuff. Well, my company, my timber framing company had all diesel trucks and all diesel machinery. And there's in rural Montana and and Northern Idaho, there's not a diesel shop around every corner. So if you're out on a job site and a tractor goes down, you got to figure stuff out. You know, this was back in the days of Chilton manuals and Google was brand new and so you couldn't just go to the internet like we can now and figure everything out and watch a YouTube video and get your tractor running. So I had to become a diesel mechanic to keep my equipment going, keep my trucks going. So when I went into this diesel shop, I knew more about diesels than anybody else. And I could sell a part and the customer could call me back. Hey, I got the part in the mail today. What size socket do I need? And I could tell them everything about installing that part. And then a long story short from that one job <laughs> You got invited oh, to come here, and you met a very special lady that um, ended yeah, up being so a big influence, right? I mean, we got a minute left. Angie was uh, Angie was the one that hired me, and um, she was just she was a go getter. Like she would come in my office and be like, "Hey, what can we do to grow the company?" And I would say, "We would just spitball ideas," and she would just let me do whatever I wanted, and. So we just, we grew super rapidly. We went from a two bay shop with two mechanics to a 10 bay shop with 10 mechanics. And now we're in a 24 bay shop with 18. But even, even through the whole experience, the highs, the lows, through it all, it's life is about people, right? That's right. Yep. And about telling people about Jesus and not just that, but you know, you open your table to people. That's right. Well, Vinny, listen, I appreciate you being on the show, man. We're, we're, we're out of time. Creighton, thanks for, thanks for hanging and being in here. It is always a pleasure. Well, you've been listening to the Outlaw Radio Show. If you like what you heard, I want to encourage you to contact your local Christian radio station and thank them for carrying the Outlaw Radio Show in your area. Uh, we live stream the recording of the show every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock. Visit outlawradio.live and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We love hearing from the listening audience. Questions, feedback, testimonials, critiques, the more the merrier. All of our contact information you can find at outlawradio.org. 
Uh, once again, my name is Zach Adams, and I hope you join me this time next week for more of the Outlaw Radio Show. been listening to the one and only outlaw radio show with zach adams as mentioned if you like what you heard be sure to connect with us on facebook follow us on twitter or check out our website by visiting outlawradio.org to listen again to today's show access our daily two-minute broadcast or full-length episodes check out the outlaw radio podcast available on both itunes and google play Once again, don't forget, we want to hear from you. If you have questions, want to challenge something that was said, or would like to submit topics you'd like to hear Zach discuss on air, you can either email us at info at outlawradio.org, or you can leave a voicemail at 678-883-3316. Finally, programs like Outlaw Radio are wonderful tools God can use to change lives. But as with any ministry, there are expenses involved. First, if you're not tithing to your local church, you need to do so. And yet, if God has laid it upon your heart to extend your generosity above and beyond your tithe, we'd ask that you prayerfully consider supporting Outlaw Radio. Every donation ensures this show remains on your local station. To learn how you can become a financial partner, please visit outlawradio.org. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We hope you join us again next week for the Outlaw Radio Show with Zach Adams. Outlaw Radio is a ministry of Calvary 316 in partnership with his productions.